0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Blue Ridge. And I so appreciate you joining us online or here in person and taking time out of your weekend to be with us. So, We're in a series right now called Written in Stone. And what we're doing is we're looking particularly at Exodus chapter 20, we're going back and we're looking at the Ten Commandments and we're discovering how they apply to our lives today. We're trying to simplify them enough that we can remember them and try to implement them in our lives. And what we've learned so far is it doesn't matter who you talk to. Doesn't matter what culture you talk to. Doesn't matter if they're far from God or close to God. Most people would look at these and they would agree, hey, these are good moral principles to live by, right? The world should follow this. There's very few people in the world that would ever argue that. And they give us a glimpse into God's character, right? What he values, what's important to him. But if you're a Christ follower, and I know not everybody's there. I know a lot of you still have questions. You're still trying to figure out that whole faith journey. But for those of us that are Christ followers, it gives us a glimpse into our own character as well, right? Because we look at that list and we're like, man, there's no way. I can't keep this. I can't be good enough. And it points us to Christ and what Christ did for us. He, he came to this earth and he did for us what none of us could ever do. We could never be good enough, and He paid for our sin. And He reconciled us with God through His death on the cross. So they have even more significance and more meaning if you are a Christ follower. So, just a quick review. Uh, week number one, commandment number one, put God first. That's how we summarize it. God's got to be first place in every area of our life, in our relationships, with our kids, in our job, in our finances everything. He's got to be number one. The second commandment, we learned that we're not to reduce God in any way, right? It's those mental images we come up with where we try to put God in a box so that we can control him, so that we can begin to understand him. And God says, you're never going to understand me completely. I'm too infinite. I'm too powerful for your finite mind to comprehend. And then week three was... You know, not associating God's name with anything that he's not associated with. Not using the Lord's name in vain goes beyond, you know, what we learned as kids in cursing. It's not associating his name with anything that he's not associated with. Because why? God's protective of his name. Everything is encompassed in his name his character, his authority, his faithfulness. He's protective of his name just like you and I are protective of our names. And then last week, Uh, You could simply summarize what we talked about last week is take a day off, rest. We talked about the Sabbath day of rest and how that's important because we're depending on God, right? We're saying, hey, God, I trust you for seven days worth of provision in my six days of effort, in my six days of work. And it also is a time when we can appreciate and enjoy what we already have. We can say, hey, enough's enough. I don't need anything else, God. And then we also remember what God's already done. Just like he freed the Israelites from slavery, he frees us from our sin through Christ. That's why Jesus came. So today, oh, and just to kind of help us to break them up even further, the first four that we've already covered deal with our relationship with God. And the next six we're gonna look at deal with our relationship with each other. So this ought to be fun, right? So we're going, to look at, we're going to look at the fifth commandment, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And it says this, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, I understand if you want to rush out of here and get your kids out of the kids program. Well, you're going to be in there and you're going to listen to this. Or if you're in your living room and you're yelling in the basement for your kids to come upstairs, it'll be available on our website. All right? But commandment number five says, honor your father and mother. And when you read that, man, that seems pretty straightforward. Scott, let's just move on to commandment number six. We, We can do that, but it's actually an incredibly challenging commandment. Because think about this, when we read that term, father and mother, those terms have transformed and expanded over the years since this commandment was first given. When this commandment was first given to the Israelites, it was pretty straightforward. Honor your father and mother. They didn't have all the dynamics, all the uh, dynamics we have in families today, right? Think about the dynamics we have in families today. We have biological parents. We have stepmoms and stepdads. We have foster moms and foster dads. We have adoptive moms. We have adoptive dads. We have surrogate parents. We have single parents. We've got all kinds of dynamics in our world when it comes to parents today that they didn't have in Israelites' culture. And so that's what can make this commandment pretty difficult. But God is pretty straightforward, isn't he? God says, honor your parents, and then you will live a long, full life. Whoever your parents are or whoever fulfilled that role in your life, God basically says in this commandment, how we treat our parents, it's going to impact our life. Wow. He, he says it's going to impact the quality of our life. It's going to impact our spiritual journey. It's going to impact how meaningful our life will be. And so, something else that we need to understand, when this was initially given to the Israelites, they would have been excited about this commandment because there was a promise of land. And if you think about it, they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. God leads them out of Egypt, brings them into the wilderness. They have nothing. Everything they had was provided by God. The food we learned last week, they had nothing. And so, God is promising them land in in their own nation, that would have been very exciting for them. That gave them something to look forward to in the wilderness. So God says in this command, I'm going to give you land, but there's a structure. It's as if God says there's a structure that I've designed to help your new land, your new nation, your new society function best, and that's the family. I want you to honor your father and mother. Now, fast forward to today. Fast forward to our culture and the intricate dynamics that we have in so many families today. And this can be a frustrating commandment because there doesn't appear to be any exceptions, right? It doesn't say honor your father and mother as long as they're your biological parents. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say honor your father and mother as long as you agree with the rules that they come up with in the house. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say honor your parents as long as your step-parent is a nice step-parent. Doesn't say that. Doesn't even say honor your father and mother as long as they're Christ followers, as long as they believe the way you believe. It says none of that. So when we glance at this, there doesn't appear to be any loopholes that we can get out of honoring our father and mother. And to top it off, it's very vague. Right? What does that even mean, honor your father and mother? Does that mean if I, you know, FaceTime them on Father's Day and Mother's Day, that that counts, that I'm honoring my father and mother? Does it mean that, you know, once I get a job and and I can take care of myself and I take them out to dinner, that I pick up the check, is that honoring my father and mother? What if I pick them out a really sweet nursing home when that time comes? Is that honoring my father and mother? How does it look when we're young? How does it look w- when we're old? It's pretty vague. And I think for us to really understand this commandment, we need to kind of take a step back. And we need to look at a general theme in the scripture of what God says about authority and obeying authority. Because I think if we understand God's heart when it comes to authority, then we can transfer that into honoring our father and mother. And you may not agree with me, and that's fine. You don't have to. But I think we have a problem in our culture today when it comes to authority. And here's the first learning. In our culture, we have a tendency to disregard authority that we don't agree with. We may not honor our mom and dad because we don't agree with them. We don't line up with them. When it comes to authority, most of us have a filter, and it says, I'll do what they're telling me to do as long as they're qualified to ask me to do this, as long as I think they're a good person, as long as they're competent, as long as they're, you know, uh, educated, as long as the rules they make make sense to me, then I'll follow them. And I think a lot of us, our first response when it comes to any type of authority in our culture is we evaluate what we're being asked to do. Do I line up with this? Do I agree with this? And if not, we don't do it. Now, I'm not talking about things that are morally wrong or ethically wrong. That's a conversation for another day. I'm not talking about things that would compromise your faith in Christ. But we'll say things like, well, do I respect the person that's asking me this? Do I agree with them in principle? Are they qualified to ask me? And for some strange reason, if we say no on any of those questions, we just blow it off and we ignore it. We break the law. We disobey the company. Now, I can think that a law is is dumb, and I don't have to follow it, but there could be consequences, right? I could think, you know, stopping at a stop sign is ridiculous. I'm not going to stop at any more stop signs. Now, that could be detrimental to my health, right? Or I could get a ticket. You could disagree with something your employer says that you must do. And you could ignore that, but you could risk losing your job or getting in trouble, right? We could not line up with something Uncle Sam says, the government says, I'm not going to do that. And there could be consequences, but we do that all the time. We look at the authority and who's asking us and what they're asking. And if we don't like it and we don't agree with it and we don't align with it, then we don't do it. And we do the same thing to our heavenly father. We think that if, oh, if God would see my point of view on this, I know he's asking this and he's saying, you know, sex outside of marriage is this, but I think he would understand my argument and he'd bend the rules for me. Here's what we do. Learning number two, we will twist God's words to fit our agenda and what we think is right. We start playing God and we assume, again, that God thinks like we think. And this goes back to week two when we said, don't reduce God in any way. Don't try to capture him and think he's just like you and, and, and create him to be what you want him to be. That's making an idol. So we'll look at rules and we'll look at authority in our first action is to evaluate what's being asked, who's asking, and then we decide if we line up with it and if we're going to do it or not. That's the way most of us live our lives. And then we do the exact same thing to our parents. And that's why a lot of times we don't show them honor. And what's amazing is God still chooses to work through us, doesn't He? He still works through human beings. He gets His work on this earth accomplished through us, though we're sinful, though we're rebellious, though we buck his authority, we buck other people's authority, he still chooses to work through us. Think about it, God works through coaches, he works through teachers, he works through parents, he works through uh, law enforcement, he works through the government. Now I know that last one's a stretch, right? But God actually does work some through the government. But what I wanna do is I wanna go back and I wanna look at the book of Romans. Because again, understanding what God says about authority is gonna help us when it comes to honoring our father and mother. And just for a little bit of background, the book of Romans was written by the apostle Paul to Christians living in Rome. But what we miss sometimes is these Christians were living in Rome under intense persecution. Guy that was leading Rome at the time was a guy by the name of Nero. Nero was an evil, evil human being when it came to Christians. And Nero, persecution is a nice term. He would kill Christians for the fun of it. He would feed them to dogs. He would feed them to lions. He would crucify them on the street for no reason. He would burn them at the stake. He would use them, history shows that he, or, or, or talks about how he would use them as like human tiki torches to light up his garden at night so he would have light. Christians did not fare well under Nero's rule. Kind of like Taylor Swift and boyfriends, it just it didn't, didn't work, all right? So what we need to understand is when Paul wrote this letter to the Christians living in Rome under intense persecution. Their lives were at stake. And here's what Paul wrote. And these are God's word through the Apostle Paul Romans 13 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That means even really, really bad authorities have been placed there. By God, Even ones that kill Christians, even ones that are hateful to others, even ones that hate God, they were placed there by God. And that verse does not say, hey, Scott, you can evaluate every authority based on their character and based on how good of a person they are, and then you can decide, Scott, if you want to follow what they're asking you to do. It doesn't say that. Paul knew that there's no authority except that which God has established. And so he goes on to state that Christians, and again, I know that's not everybody, but Christians are to be good citizens regardless of the character of their leaders. Now, we ought to just take a pause right there and let that sink in because that's kind of unbelievable. That makes you want to take your Bible and just rip out Romans 13 and throw it away. That's hard to believe that God would say to obey the authorities when Christians are being put to death or what people face in society today. But the Bible teaches that God works through human authority, despite our flaws, despite our sin, despite our hang ups whether it's good authority or bad authority. And then Paul writes this in the next verse, Romans 13:2, he says so anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. I mean that's strong. That's really strong. That means if I disobey my parents, if I don't listen to my teachers, if I ignore what human resources is telling me at the company, if I do something against the government, or if I disobey a law, ultimately, I'm rebelling against God. That's what he's saying. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, Scott. You're, you're, you're now making my work and what I do in the workplace a spiritual issue. Yeah. You're making my tax return a spiritual issue. Yeah. You're making what I do in school a spiritual issue and how I treat my parents a a spiritual issue. Yes. And again, you don't have to agree with me, but too many people today, I think, ignore authority and they think nothing of it. It doesn't impact them at all. A big part is we don't respect authority. That's a lot of the problems we have in our world today. God instituted that authority. And as long as it doesn't compromise our faith in Christ, we have to follow authority. That's what God is saying. Listen, your boss who is so irreligious, it's not even funny, your boss who's hateful and mean in every single way can and will be used and is being used by God. (laughs) And you're thinking, okay, here I got you here, Scott, because you're wrong because my boss is the Antichrist. There's no way he's being used by God. Yes, God works through human authority. Wait a minute, Scott, my my parents have never been to church. They've never even had a relationship with Christ, much less even care about learning about God. There's no way God could use them. Yes, he is and he will. See, this has nothing to do with religion. Remember who this letter is written to. It's written to Christians living in Rome under intense persecution from Nero. And Paul knew that God works through people. And if you push back and say, hey, honor your father, mother, man, that doesn't apply to me, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. God knows what kind of family you grew up in. And let's all be honest, all of our families are a little bit dysfunctional, Right? If you don't believe me, you should come to the Open Chain house on Thanksgiving. That is truly dysfunction at its finest. But God knows what environments we grow up with. That's why this fifth commandment does not require emotion. Now, if God said, I want you to be happy about your family, I want you to be joyful about your mom and dad, then you couldn't obey this commandment because you can't force emotion. But see, honor is not an emotion. Honor is a choice we make. And God says, honor your father and mother. So knowing what God says about authority, it's easy to translate that into this commandment. So how do we honor our parents? And I wanna give you a few ways to do that. Number one, I think one of the greatest ways that we could honor our parents is to stop focusing on the mistakes they made right? And realize they're human. They're human beings. They're going to make mistakes. So learning number three, look for things your parents did right and thank them. Go back to when you were a child. From the looks of some of you, you're going to have to go back a long way. All right? Go back to when you were a child before you became a jerk and a teenager. This is preteen years. And think about what you thought about your parents, man they're doing pretty good. Even if you had a single parent, they're doing pretty good. These rules they make, I get it. I understand. Go to bed at this time or I'm tired at school. We thought our parents did, for the most part, a pretty good job. But then we grew up, we became adults, and we started having kids. And we realize now our parents didn't have a clue what they were doing, right? But as kids, we think they know everything. But if you're a parent, you're like, no, 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 no. We're learning to be a parent while they're learning to be a kid. They don't know everything. I'm just thankful my kids are young enough to still get therapy if I messed them up too bad, right? But of course they made mistakes. You make mistakes if you're a parent. Of course your parents made mistakes. And it's easy for us to go back and say, they did this and they did this and they did this. And sure, we could justify in our minds why they don't deserve our honor today. But instead of pointing out all their faults, we should cover those things with honor. And some of you, you grew up in a pretty functional family where your parents loved you and they encouraged you and they supported you. They still made mistakes. Instead of holding over their head what they may have said to you out of anger or frustration one day, we cover those things in honor. Genesis chapter nine. Verse 20 through 23. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. Now, I'll be real honest with you. This verse is rarely used in church. It's certainly not used in vacation Bible school, right? This is not a verse that you would use and say, hey, this is a great parenting technique. Right? I'm not even sure it's good vacation etiquette. But what happens is, Ham's thought was to share his dad's shame, to laugh about it, to exploit it, to make fun of his father and essentially dishonor his dad. And the other two brothers, Shem and Japheth, they decide they're going to honor their dad and cover him. And we know from reading the Scripture they were blessed because of it. And I share that example to let you know even the greats in the Bible weren't always great parents, but they were still worthy of honor. So instead of exploiting mom and dad's weaknesses, and and listen, we've all got them. If you're a parent, man, you blow it all the time. I blow it all the time. But instead of pointing those things out, we're to honor our parents. And when we honor our parents, who ultimately are we honoring our heavenly father? Right? We're honoring God. We have a choice to just hold those shortcomings over their head or to move on. So don't just look for their mistakes, cover those things in honor. Something else we can do is take more responsibility from our parents as we get older. Eventually, we have to step up to the plate. We have to own our own life, and we have to take care of ourselves, and we can't keep living in the basement or, or we can't keep thinking, oh, mom's got to provide this, dad's got to provide this. When I finally graduated from school and got my first full-time job, a real job, my dad went out and told all his buddies, hey, I got the biggest raise I've ever gotten in my life today. And he was excited about that, that I was no longer on the payroll. But what he was really excited about was I was standing on my own two feet. And I was starting to take responsibility for my life, and I was starting to provide for myself instead of constantly looking to him for support. And that's what we have to do. The older we get, we got to take more and more of that responsibility from our parents. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. And listen. Maybe it's my age. Maybe, maybe I've become my parents. And some of you will say, man, this old guy is out of touch. But I think a big problem in the world today, and don't take offense to this, but kids think the world revolves around them. Now, before we start pointing the finger at the kids or saying, see, I told you, that's our fault if you're a parent, and even if you're not a parent, because we have a tendency not to give our kids responsibility when they're growing up. We need to give them more responsibility, age-appropriate, right? And here's what we miss. We never go back and follow up to make sure that they came through on that responsibility we gave them and we never hold them accountable and there's never any consequences for them not meeting the responsibilities that we've given them in the house. So learning number four, our responsibilities we grow up and mature is to take more responsibility from our parents. And if you're a parent, start giving your kids responsibility now, no matter how old they are, and hold them accountable. There needs to be age-appropriate consequences when they don't, Meet what you need them to do. Taking responsibility means we're going to grow up, and we're not going to let the little things bother us and offend us, and and we're going to take on those challenges that our parents have been doing for us in the past. Another way we can honor our parents is show them appreciation. It's never too late to pick up the phone, call your mom, and call your dad, and say something that you appreciate about them. And if your parents have already gone, thank God for what your parents did in your life. You can do that. God, hey, I never got a chance to tell mom this, but I wanna thank you for allowing her in my life and what she did, this particular thing. Give your parents specifics when you call them and say, hey, thanks for this. Because your parents, if they're like me, they're old and forgetful, right? They, they, don't re- they don't remember all the things they did and the little things that happened in your life that impacted you so much, tell them, about that. Parents need encouragement too. Don't ever, you know, disgrace your parents. Always be respectful, but just say, hey, dad, thank you so much for what you did for me, this particular instance. Proverbs 20, 20 says, if you insult your father or mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. What does that verse even mean? I don't know, but it can't be good. Right? That doesn't sound good at all. But the reason I think this is a neglected and forgotten commandment and we don't speak loving and encouraging words to our parents is because it challenges our pride. Our pride gets in the way and we have a a tendency to come up with a bunch of excuses of why we're not going to speak loving words to our parents. Well, they don't speak loving words to me. I'm not going to speak loving words to them. My parents don't agree with my lifestyle. They don't agree with my friends. They're critical of me. So I'm not going to speak encouraging words to them. They've never given me their approval. I'm not going to give them mine. But God says, honor your father and mother. Now, in the, Old, uh, in the New Testament, there's an example of kids not taking care of their elderly parents. And back in that culture... In Jesus' day, and still in a lot of cultures today, that's how it works. When the parents get old, guess who takes care of them? The kids. That's how it operates in most countries or a lot of countries. As a matter of fact, when I traveled to the Middle East, it was amazing how they built their houses. A lot of times it'd be a a square or a rectangle, and, and some of the houses, they'd leave rebar sticking up out of the roof. Block houses. I'm like, well, that's not very attractive. You know, that's not finished. Why don't they finish their house? And I asked the guy who was our guide, I'm like, what's up with that? And he said, oh, no, no, they, they know their kids are going to have kids. And when they have kids, they're going to need a room. So they'll just build another room on top. And the young kids move up there. So the elderly parents don't have to do the steps, but the young kids take care of their aging parents. And in Jesus, uh, he, he actually challenges a group. They were not doing this. They were shirking their responsibility to care for their parents. And what they were saying was, well, all the money I've got and all the resources that I have, I'm going to give that to God. And I can't take care of my parents. And Jesus challenged them on it. And this is from the message, because I love how the message writes it. It's Mark chapter 7. He went on, well, good for you. You get rid of God's command So you won't be inconvenienced in following the religious fashions. Moses said, respect your father and mother. And anyone denouncing father or mother should be killed. But you weasel out of that by saying that it's perfectly acceptable to say to mother or father, gift what I owed you, I've given as a gift to God. Thus relieving yourself of obligation to father or mother. You scratch out God's word and scrawl a whim in its place. And Jesus goes on to say, you do a lot of things like this. I've met people who've gone years without talking to their mom, without talking to their dad, and I've challenged them. Man, take a step. Just take a step. Don't let pride get in the way because here's what pride will do, and it's our last learning Pride keeps us from reconciling our relationships, right? Pride gets in the way. I'm not reconciling. I'm right. They're wrong. They need to come to me. And listen, I'm not pretending that it's going to be easy. It's not, especially if you had a very difficult childhood. I want to be sensitive to that. But here's what I know. Humility is always better than regret. It's better to humble ourselves than to regret that we didn't even try to reconcile. It's gonna take us being humble to honor our parents in a lot of cases, but we gotta take the first step to say the encouraging word, to take the responsibility. We don't have a choice in the family we get, do we? You've heard that, you don't get to choose your family, but we do get to choose what type of family we become. Now, parents, I know what you're thinking. You're relieved. You're like, yeah, this is good. My kids need to hear this but you're not off the hook. I'm not gonna let you go yet. I wanna give you just a few practical ways that we as parents can make it easier on our kids to show us honor. We can make their life a lot easier. Number one, encourage your kids. Whether they agree with you, whether their lifestyle is what you want, whether they have the same beliefs and faith, that you have, we should still encourage our our kids. There is nothing as sweet as an encouraging word from a parent to a kid. They need to know that that we love them. They need to know that we we support them and we're going to be by their side through thick and thin. So encourage your kids. Uh, Number two, spend time with your kids, especially when they're young. It, 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 it's all, the system, my dad says the system's all messed up. He said, you ought to be able to be off of work until you've raised your family and your kids are out of the house. Then you go to work and you work until you die because we're so busy when we work and we're providing and we're trying to pay the bills that we, the thing that tends to go is the time we spend with our kids. So spend time with your kids, especially when they're young. There's no way around that one. And then finally, I think the most important thing we can do as parents to make it easier for our kids to honor us is to be parents of strong character. Be parents of strong, Christ-like character. And understand you may not get your kids all the time. Maybe you have your kids every weekend or every other weekend or even once a month. But when you are with your kids, and even when you're not, be a mom of godly character. Be a dad of godly character character. And I want to close and I want to finish by saying this. I realize that this talk for a lot of you at home, a lot of you here is difficult for you to hear because you grew up in not a good family situation. Maybe you grew up with an abusive parent, mentally abusive, physically abusive, even sexually abusive. And this whole idea of honoring your father and mother, well, quite frankly, it's offensive to you. It hurts. It's something you don't want to even think about. I want to be sensitive to that. And my encouragement to you would be just to pray about it at first. Pray and ask for God to give you wisdom on what to do if there's anything you need to do. And if he gives you wisdom to say an encouraging word to that parent or to move in a certain direction, take it slow. Take it really, really slow. Do it incrementally. I'm not saying that it's going to all be better and everything, it's going to work out perfectly and you're going to, be happily ever after, but I'm saying in any relationship, there is always a chance for reconciliation, right? The least thing that we could do is leave the door open. What if that abusive parent, what if Christ gets a hold of their life? What if Christ changes them? He can do that. What if they're totally remorseful and grieving what they've done? we can at least pray for them that they would know Christ. And we can at least leave the door open in case God offers some type of restoration or reconciliation. And I think for all of us, we can always look for something positive in our parents, no matter how good or how bad they were. If not, there is at least one positive thing they gave you life. And that's better for the rest of us that, to get to do life with you. It may not work out, but you won't have regrets if you try. It's a closing verse, Psalm 27, verse 10. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, that teaches us every week something that we can do in our lives. And today, Lord, it's about your instructions to honor our father and mother. God, help us to not look at the mistakes they made, but all the good things they did for us, the life that they gave us, that they brought us into this world so that we can now know you. Lord, help us as we grow older to take care of our parents and to take responsibility from them and and, and not put all that on them. Lord, help us to be encouragers of them as well. Lord, those of us that are parents, help us to make it easier on our kids to show honor by loving them, encouraging them, spending time with them, and walking with you and reflecting you in everything we do in our lives, whether we're with our kids or not. And God, most of all, I'd just like to, plead with you and lift up the people that are watching, that are here, that they didn't have a good childhood. And Lord, I don't pretend to understand the pain and the agony that they've gone through. But Lord, I know you're aware. And I would ask you to comfort them, that you would wrap your arms around them, you promise that you'll give us a peace that we can't even understand and that's what I'm praying for these folks. That you would just love them and remind them that you ultimately are their father and that you care about them deeply, that you love them unconditionally. God, thank you for this church, these people, or they took time out of their day to be here with you, to worship you, I pray you give them that time back tenfold. Help everything we do this week to be honoring to you. We love you and we praise you, Amen. So we finish up just a couple of quick things. Next Sunday, July twenty third, we're having our next Blue Ridge Church partnership class that starts right after this service. It starts about twelve ten. We'll feed you. We have childcare, but it, it we talk about in that partnership class the style, the structure the strategy of this church, why we do some of the things that we do, why there's such an old guy that speaks some on Sundays. But I firmly believe that you know when you start coming to a church and you start getting involved in a church, you ought to know about that church and you ought to know some details about that church. So that's available. If that's something that you would like to uh, attend, either this time or even the next time we offer, sign up on that connection card or you can simply stop by the hub, the information center in the lobby and say, hey, I'm going to go to partnership class next week. It's about an hour and 10 minutes, and then we guarantee we'll have you out in time. Uh, But I do, I, I thank you for being here, everything you do for this church. I pray you have an incredible Sunday afternoon and a great week, and you'll come back and see us next week. God bless you guys.